You're listening to an ACA podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a great pleasure to welcome you to the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art on the occasion of the opening of our summer season exhibition, Who is Afraid of Public Space? And um, I would like to first begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people as custodians on the land upon which we work and welcome visitors, along with the Bunwurrung and the Bunurong and wider Kulin nations who have cared for country and culture over millennia and continue to do so. And we extend our respect to elders and ancestors, past and present, and to all First Nations people who join us this afternoon. Who's Afraid of Public Space is a multifaceted project of exhibitions and programs exploring the role of public culture, the contested nature of public space, and the character and composition of public life. The exhibition continues ACA's Big Picture series, which explores contemporary art's relationship to wider social, cultural, and political contexts. The exhibition's organised according to a dispersed, distributed structure, encouraging a polyphonic and polycentric understanding of our increasingly complex public realm. Taking place here at ACA over the summer months until the 20th of March, the project also extends across Melbourne with events and projects in the public realm and a series of satellite exhibitions in collaboration with cultural partners. The exhibition here at ACA has been developed in dialogue with a diverse group of advisors and collaborators who we'll be hearing from today um, and to whom we extend our sincere thanks. I'd also like to acknowledge co-curator Miriam Kelly um, and um, Annika Christensen, who can't join us this afternoon, as well as Public Programs Coordinator Bianca Winata Putri, who has organised this afternoon's um, talks. We'll be starting here um, in the gathering space, Naji Jambana, and then we will be continuing through the other gallery. So if you don't have a seat now, we will be itinerant through the afternoon, but if you do need a seat, we do have stools available for you in the foyer. Um, in addition to hosting displays of artworks and new commissions, ACA's four galleries have been designed to reflect on the role of the art institution as a civic space for gathering, discussion, education and discovery, providing a conversational starting point for themes within public space. As we will see today, the exhibition also invites you to explore beyond the gallery and back out into public space through exhibitions off-site. So it is now my great pleasure uh, to introduce our guest speakers for today, starting with the keynote commission of this exhibition, The Gathering Space, Naji Jambana. The idea of Naji Jambana was developed by senior Bunurang elder Nawi Carolyn Briggs AM and Palawa built environment practitioner Sarah Lynn Reese. Nawi is founding chair of the Bunurang Land and Sea Council and custodian of the Alicat Willem in Biranga. She's Indigenous Research Fellow in the Womanjika Jambana Indigenous Research Lab, Faculty of Art, Design and Architecture at Monash University. Nawi has also been Chair of ACA's Yalingwa Advisory Group, and we are honoured to count her as an Associate Elder. Sarah Lynn Reese is Associate and Lead Indigenous uh, Advisor at Jackson Clements Burroughs Architects, is a lecturer at Monash University, and program advisor and curator of Black Architecture series for M Pavilion. Sarah is director of Parlour Women Equity Architecture, a member of the Victorian Design Review Panel for the Office of the Victorian Government Architect, 
and co-chair of the Australian Institute of Architects First Nations Advisory Working Group. Um, in establishing um, and developing this exhibition, we really um, were very mindful about the country upon which we stand, and we are indeed honoured to welcome Nawi and Sarah. Please make them welcome. Thank you, Max, and thank you to Aka and everyone involved in making it happen. Um, I'm going to start us off and then I'm going to throw to Annie Caroline. Oh, okay. um, so we started this exhibition with an invitation from Max, which was a curatorial invitation to develop a gathering space for art performance and the exchange of ideas. And through those conversations, Nawi started talking about the concepts of Naji and Jambana, so I wondered if you would like to describe what those are. Well, uh, the, the idea of calling it Nagi Jambana is about the connections to all our beautiful landscape that we know now as Victoria. But Nagi is a place where you came, you performed, and, and share stories with. So I find this is really discourteous. <laughs> um, it's probably it's a room. It echoes. Yeah. Little Sorry, John echoes. <laughs> so if you're hearing, I hope you're hearing me okay. Um, well, that, that's what um, Nargi is to come together, collaborate, share stories, to perform and show your works, you know, in these sorts of base in this performance space that I named um, with St Steve Brax when he was Premier of this state. So it's when this first building was presented to Victoria or Melbourne that they wanted me to name the building. So they liked the word, so that's how that came about. Jambana means about communities. It means about unifying communities and strengthening communities and valuing the diversities of our communities that are now with us today. So if we think about the concept of Naji Jambana, the idea of coming together in performance and the collective nature of humanity and uh, the ways that we relate to each other, one of the questions we asked in the context of the exhibition being called Who's Afraid of Public Space is where are those public spaces for Indigenous people in our environment? There aren't that many public spaces that are spatially or materially reflective of the country or the cultures that they belong to. So this experiment started a while ago with um, Naui talking quite often about not being able to see herself in the built environment. And a strong belief that I have that architecture has the power to give identity back to country that architectures of the past have taken away. So Naji Jambana, the space that we're in, is a research-led design exhibition that asks the question, if our public spaces were made from the materials of country, what would those materials be? So in a, well, I work in architecture, so in a design space that's uh, in a gallery, so free from building regulations, engineering requirements, and statutory rules, um, we sought to, and low behavioural practice, we sought to explore this question through the layering of data and research and knowledge to understand what the material identity of country is. 
and the result is the topography of materials that you see here today, ranging from as close to their natural form as possible uh, to something more modified in terms of what we might be used to in the built environment. The criteria for a material to be included in the exhibition was that one, it must be indigenous to Victoria, and two, if a material is a, a new material formed from component parts, then at least one part of that material had to be from Victoria. So you've got glass, which is made from sand from Lang Lang, um, and you've got clay, which has got, uh, sorry, you've got ceramics, which are made from components from all over Victoria. Um, in order to do this, we, we approach the research in several different ways. Um, the first is a review of over 100 public spaces, and through doing this, we layered maps such as the bioregion map that's on the wall back here, over geological maps and mining extraction maps to understand what those materials are linked to those physical public spaces. The second is cross-referencing data, so information available such as the pre-1970, uh, pre, sorry, pre-1750 ecological vegetation class data that's um, on Nature Kit and owned by Delp and cross-dressing that information with the materials that we use in construction. And the final approach, and particularly for the materials that are made up of component parts, was engaging with the suppliers and the fabricators of these materials to understand where they come from. And I want to stress this, and I think this is really important, that these three approaches were taken because they are all processes that can be embedded into the way we practice architecture, landscape architecture. There's nothing special about the process itself. It's freely available information and it's something that we can all do. In parallel to everyday life, the materials that are in this space and how they're perceived is in the eye of the beholder. So is it a question, are they a product? Uh, is their worth limited by their performance and their ratings? Are they alive? Do they have their own stories to tell? Do they hold cultural significance? Are they ambassadors for the countries that they have been removed from? So I thought I'd ask you, Anna Caroline, what do you think about the materials that are in this space? What do they mean to you? What comes from country? And it is about the diversity of country. That it, um, even, the, even the textures and the colors that is demonstrated in all these organic materials and also products that are being constructed. And it, what it does is remind us what we don't know about country. You know, I think about the built environment that I'm now a part of today, but there's no presence of where we are. So that was one of the, our big long conversations that we had and I think this was a part of your lead to go forward in your role as an architect. And when I think, when I'm working my, with my students who know nothing about this country, all have some understanding the basis of space and trying to formulate a construction or a site that would be appeasing to me or to my community to demonstrate that they've taken on board the ecology of the environment or this I wanted it different to any other. I was disrupting. I wanted to disrupt Melbourne. It's about disrupting and taking some sort of ownership about place. And the young, young people, their first year, and they decided to create something that would be built 
in a way that met the needs of our communities and not these structures that are imposing on all of us. So it was something, and that was their first year, so can you imagine what this could go on? And these are the sorts of things, I know, I, I, I get that they understand space, I get them, they understand, but it's also about what's in place. And these are objects that have been removed from place to give you the context of what you see out there and how they're formed in today's materials or matter that we aesthetically pleases all of us, not me. But, you know, it gives me some comfort. There's always these blockages when you're travelling through country. Because I said, one of the discussions we had, I can't find my present, even though I know I'm still on country, and country's embedded in me, I can't find any evidence that is, that is now present that reminds me of our connection to place. Which is something that we should change through architecture and design, fundamentally. Uh, I think every student would benefit from having you as their teacher at some point. Um, so, in conclusion, unless Annie Caroline wants to say something else after this, um, I just want to note that we, we've limited the inclusion of text in the gallery space, and that's intentional. So, rather than asking you to focus on text as the primary means of deriving meaning for all of these objects or materials that are in this space, we invite you to connect with the materials first, to touch them, to feel them, to smell them, to get to know them. And then if you're interested, there's a research or an interim research document available on the website page for this space in the gallery. And I also want to acknowledge that the physical materials that are in this space don't represent every material that's been found so far through the research, or not found, identified. Um, and there are likely to be many more that can be identified over the course of the ex exhibition, and that's one thing we invite all of you to do. If you know of any materials that aren't represented here, or of any fabricators or suppliers that are creating materials from component parts from Victoria, we invite you to put those forward. There'll be a, a form on the website, I think, next week, um, that will allow you to send through that information so that we can build this research and the catalogue of information about what are the materials of country and what is their identity, and hopefully in the future, in future research projects, what does that mean culturally for the people who are the traditional custodians of that place? So I'm done. Would you like to add anything? I'm done. Would you like to add anything else? I'm just thinking, if you think about when you go around these objects that have been removed from country that were in situ, but even to the point that you look at that map and you will see even the colours will be resonated in these objects. I don't think you think about that, even when we build a building or build these beautiful skyscrapers that inform us that this is Melbourne. But think about where they've come from. They were once in situ. It talks about country being a living, breathing entity. And these were objects of that. So they're living, breathing entities. But now they're, they move, <laughs> they're stagnating. But I suppose culture and country moves just like the, the land that we now are part of. So nothing stays the same. 
So, and that's evident. So, I hope you enjoy the presentation and the objects that a lot of research that this young lady has taken on in partnership with ACME, ACA. Got to remember where I am. Um, and this beautiful space that can inform you how objects are still a part of something good what lived. It was a living part of our world. Thank you. And so were those possums. <laughs> thank, thank you, Nawi, and thank you, Sarah. Um, it's a great honour for us to present this keynote installation, which really reflects the materiality and identity of country, and we're really honoured to have your involvement to launch the exhibition. Um, so once again, please, will you um, thank Nawi, Carolyn Briggs, and Sarah Lynn Reese. And we now invite you into Gallery 4, The Hoarding, um, where we will introduce our next guests. We'll be in slightly tighter proximity, so if you please, we'll continue to wear your masks and to um, yeah, share the space carefully with one another. Thank you. Hello again. Um, so in addition to projects um, and works that are on display within ACA galleries, Who's Afraid of Public Space extends across the city uh, with 16 off-site projects which have been programmed both in the lead-up to and over the course of the exhibition. Um, and eight further satellite exhibitions which are being developed in collaboration with our cultural partners, to whom we're especially grateful. So there are satellite exhibitions um, programmed with Abbotsford Convent, Arts Project Australia, Black Dot Gallery, Bus Projects, Chunky Move, City of Melbourne, Footscray Community Arts, Metro Tunnel Creative Program, Moreland City Council and Testing Grounds, as well as a host of shopkeepers, local government and other contexts. So um, this space, um, the project space, is titled The Hoarding and basically it brings together or sort of aggregates um, a whole range of works or documents or references to projects taking place beyond the walls of ACCA. Um, it's been um, brought together uh, and designed um, with sibling architects and we're really delighted to welcome Timothy Moore and John Tanner um, with us this afternoon to discuss the project further. Um, basically, we were keen to bring um, together works to represent the kind of energy of the way that artists are engaging with public space. Um, in a way, it's a collection of urban fragments. And, um, but to make sense of that, we really um, required the intelligence of um, our collaborators and we were, we're really delighted to work with sibling architects. They're a practice who I'm sure you will be familiar with their work. Their work extends across an array of public and private contexts, including civic projects across southeast Australia in Bega, Benalla, Belengen, Melbourne, Sydney, Torquay and Wangaratta. Um, their interest in civic um, architecture and, and sort of civic spirit extends to participating in exhibitions and exhibition design, which are important sites of experimentation for their practice. Um, sibling have exhibited or have undertaken ex exhibition designs across the globe, including um, in the Curry Heritage Trust, the Istanbul Design Biennial, the National Gallery of Victoria, and the San Paolo Biennale. Um, so it gives me great pleasure to hand over to Timothy Moore and John Tanner, 
He'll speak about the thinking behind the hoarding. And I also just wanted to note Timothy's role on the curatorial advisory group for Who's Afraid of Public Space. So welcome, Timothy and John. Thanks, Max. So uh, this exhibition design is really a response to the challenge from Max and Annika and Miriam to collate all the off-site work within the gallery itself. And I guess the strategy behind this project, we could call it just in time. And I mean just in time because we were, um, we didn't have much time to do this. So we're looking at proprietary items that you could find off the shelf. But also, um, if anyone in the room works in the construction industry or the built environment at the moment, it's very difficult to get hold of materials. So really working within the constraints of global supply chains in how we put this together. I guess the other notion about this strategy of just in time was we didn't have the time to develop uh, deep relationships with the artists or the artwork or the content. So we really came up with a strategy or a formal strategy to create new relationships with the work. And so then the idea of flexibility and an idea of, you know, temporal association of objects became, you know, quite interesting. And then what it sort of dealt into was its idea of the wall of everything, or the hoarding of what it became known as. And, and to develop the hoarding, we wanted to speculate on a type of, uh, you know, kit of parts or a system that, that used a type of architectural language or, a, you know, a way that would enable flexibility in displaying the 2D, 3D, 4D content of which we you know we were just gradually iteratively coming aware of um, and in the end that that uh, kit of parts as Timothy mentioned that was using uh, proprietary items and things off the shelf things like the fencing the, the block work the, the, the fencing's rented <laughs> and, and so yeah this sort of like pasta salad of objects like that ends up becoming you know bought by us but then returned back to other sort of future users it, uh, later on after the exhibitions, there's a sort of a lifespan associated with that. Um, the, the chroma key blue becomes interesting from our perspective as a device that's used to almost homogenize the backdrop, but allow a, you know, a type of interaction like a green screen to project your own sort of filters or layering content to sort of understand a positional relationship between you know, the front side of the hoarding or the back side of the fantasy. So it's like, you know, what side are you on in that respect? Yeah, so there's also, I guess, an implicit, with the hoarding, you know, implicitly it's about collecting things as well, but for us that was relational after making the work. We were really interested in um, hoarding these construction materials into this kind of tableau vivant that would then kind of evolve and go off into the city, but also we're interested in the hoarding because often when you talk about public space there's a focus on that space itself, but we think that you know, commercial and private spaces also help make good public spaces. So we're kind of interested in that kind of borderline behind the construction hoarding and as much of engagement with you know, property and land and ownership in the private sector as, as much as that contributes to public space delivery as well. That's, that's it. Thanks again, Timothy and John. Um, it's been a great pleasure to work together. It really does, I think, you know, bring together the energy of the project, reflects on the nature of public space as a kind of collage, and we're very interested in the exhibition as a kind of polyphonic experience with many different voices, and I think that's very brought to the fore in this representation. Um, we now invite you to proceed into Gallery 3, um, where we'll meet Stephanie Parnas, um, who will introduce us to uh, the reading space known as the common room. So thank you very much.
Welcome to the reading space, um, also known as the Common Room. Um, it's been designed and curated by Nicola Cortese, um, Lauren Crockett and Stephanie Parnas, who joins me this afternoon. Um, unfortunately, Nicola and Lauren are an apology for today. Um, as collaborators, Nicola, Lauren and Stephanie were invited to think about libraries and the possibility for a public resource room within an exhibition about public space. The contents of the reading room have been collated in the lead up to the exhibition by donation and loan through a public call out and also um, a partnership with the Melbourne Art Library and donations to the library will also form a legacy and will be given back to the Melbourne Art Library so it has a longer term sort of civic le legacy. Um, you're welcome to continue to recommend uh, publications for this room over the course of the exhibition which you can do online at acad.melbourne or by speaking with uh, wonderful gallery attendants or any of our friends and collaborators. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to introduce this afternoon Stephanie Parnas is an architectural designer, educator and researcher and is here to speak to the project today. So please welcome Stephanie. Thanks Max. I think I might just stay seated. Um, so before I begin, I'd like to acknowledge that this project was undertaken on the unceded lands of the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nation. And I wish to extend this respect to any First Nations people here today. So welcome everyone to our reading space, the common room. It's incredible to be physically present within this room together today, celebrating the incredible work that we see across galleries here. My name, as Max mentioned, is Stephanie Parnas, and this project was designed in collaboration with Nicola Cortese and Lauren Crockett, who sadly are not able to be here today. Our intention for the common room was to create a space that encourages slowness and a sense of agency over a shared archive. This archive forms a reading space of physical and digital resources that reflects the public's interpretation of the prompt, who's afraid of public space? This project began with an interest in the ways in which physical spaces can provide their own incentives for collective maintenance by fostering a sense of autonomy and ownership in the people occupying it. This is particularly rare in public or institutional settings. We have always found the most engaging projects to be those that had an informality, comfort, and a sense of possibility to the way that they could be reformatted or reimagined by those using it. Our brief was to design a reading space, and the act of reading itself is intrinsically linked to time. So our core intent for the design of this space was to invite people to spend more time and to feel welcomed to do so. Lauren, Nicola and I have been collaborating for five years, predominantly through um, the co-founders of the architectural publication Caliper Journal. The journal has published nine issues to date with contributions from hundreds of individuals in Melbourne and beyond. Each of the issues of Caliper has a specific thematic and as editors we worked to bringing these voices together into artefacts that contained a multitude of ideas, often at odds with one another. Together we have developed an editorial approach that focuses on the creation of platforms that put together the contributor to the forefront in dialogue with others. The reading space is a spatial realisation of our editorial approach an infrastructure that is designed to be reconfigured, added to and archived through the collective agency of the public. 
The contents of the collection have been nominated by members of the general public through an open call for resources. We understood that our personal curation of the resource collection as three individuals could never dream to capture the diversity of the ways that people can people inhabit, experience, catalogue and remember public space. By reaching out for public contributions, we not only wanted to capture these varied perspectives, but create an invitation for the gallery space to be shared by anyone who took the time to contribute. Contributions can be seen as personal reflections of inner knowledge that are generously shared with a larger, larger public audience. The reading space hopes to provide a platform for knowledge exchange and dissemination. The call for resources is open for the duration of the exhibition, so the collection that sits within the room today will continue to evolve over the next couple of months. We hope that visitors will return multiple times and always find something new. Thank you to anyone here today that has contributed to this collection. We are humbled by the care that has been taken into the, select into the selection of texts. If anyone would like to loan, suggest or donate a text, pick up one of these bookmarks for more information on how to do so. The development of the collection was supported by the incredible team at the Melbourne Art Library, like Max mentioned before. Uh, the Melbourne Art Library is an independent, not-for-profit public library. They provide an accessible, specialised collection of art and design texts for the community and foster collaboration and knowledge exchange. The guidance of Nell, Fee, Jenna and Andrew was formative in our quest to transform Acker into a public library. And anyone that has elected to donate a book to the reading space will in turn be gifting, gifting the Melbourne Art Library collection at the end of the exhibition. Ideas of participation and access are inherent in the spatial layout of the reading room. The form and colour have been carefully considered to provide subtle cues for users to participate in reconfiguring the layout of the room um, to suit the needs of the users inhabiting it from different age groups, abilities and engagement levels. Materials have been selected with the intent to soften the institutional feel of a public gallery. Transforming the room took the skill and generosity of many amazing local designers and makers. Starting with the carpet beneath our feet, we worked with the incredible team at Godfrey Hearst Commercial to bring this to life. As um, we designed as an intuitive user guide for the room. The P chairs, which we encourage you to recline on if you need a break from the launch, are designed by local maker Lauren Lee Haynes and upholstered by Tara of Soft Circle Studio in dead stock provided by Sustainable Living Fabrics. The curtains, intending to soften the space and to break up the large-scale gallery, were made with the help of Martha Giannikos and Stephen Parnas. The cabinetry to the perimeter of the room was fabricated by Joshua Anderson and the pendant lights overhead um, are courtesy of Dale and the team at Dow Jones. The current Caliper editors, Simone and Victoria, have been major collaborators in this resource curation. They have developed the digital augmented reality element of the exhibition, which you can access through the, the printed bookmarks within the space. This provides an interactive platform to bring the gallery home with you and an instructional tool of how to use the space shown through various seating configurations. Finally, this project could not have been what it is today without the generous support of our project partner, the Melbourne School of Design, 
with special thanks to Donald Bates, Sarah Brocklesby, Philippa Knack, Alan Pert, Helen Foucault, and Rory Hyde. And of course, the amazing team at ACCA and the Curatorial Advisory, Advisory Board for their guidance. We have waited such a long time to experience the reading space in person and encourage you to return with more time on your hands to deep dive into the collection available. A collection that is intended to amplify the contributor's voice and provide a platform for knowledge exchange. Thanks everyone for being here today and on behalf of Lauren, Nicola and I, we hope that you enjoy the reading space. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steph. We're delighted to be able to um, have this space available already. It's become very popular amongst the staff as a kind of lounge and gathering space. And it's also a space that's available over the course of the exhibition to be booked for small groups, readings, meetings, you know, tutorials, book groups, whichever. So we're very, um, you, know, well, you know, people are very welcome to activate the space over the course of the exhibition. We've been very strategic too at ACCA. We don't have a reading room or members lounge and so we're kind of really embedding these civic spaces within the, within the centre of the exhibition as we are with our education space and um, I'm really pleased in the next room we will um, introduce Andrew Atchison who is an artist um, with a long-standing experience in public art but also is ACCA's um, artist educator and works with an extraordinary team at ACCA um, in developing our education programs to primary, secondary, tertiary and community groups and we've actually um, embedded the, the fourth space um, is the education space, um, creating art in public. And so really pleased to introduce Andrew Atchison in the next gallery. So thanks everyone. Um, this, is the this is the final stop. Um, th thanks everyone. This is the final stop on the um, artist talks. And it's my great pleasure to welcome Andrew Atchison. Andrew is an artist, currently a studio resident at Gertrude Contemporary. Um, has, Andrew has a long-standing engagement with public art and currently has a really wonderful work. It was first shown at Gertrude Glasshouse last year or earlier this year? This, earlier this year. is currently on at Lawn Gallery um, in Richmond. And um, Andrew is one of our education team and has curated this space called um, the education space, creating art in public, and um, it's because what there's a hybrid sort of studio um, and uh, classroom and gallery. So um, please welcome Andrew Atchison. Thanks, everyone. It's it's great to see so many people here. It's a little overwhelming, but it's great. Um, so I'll just give you some context in the space and how it came about. Um, Max gave, uh, gave me the brief to kind of develop the education space and it started with the idea of a design and I thought beyond the kind of structures that the students would use when they're in the space, um, we could have artwork and we could exhibit their work. So what we've ended up with is a kind of hybrid. So on this wall over here we have uh, 13 artists are represented through either propositional works for realised and unrealised public artworks or artefacts from public artworks that have happened in the past. And the idea with each of these works is that um, they're very rich learning objects within this framework, but they're not the artwork themselves. So everything is a document or an object drawn from the broader process, 
and it bounces students and people who view them back out into public space, which is kind of part of the whole idea of who's afraid of public space. In the centre of the room is kind of the studio zone. So um, a, a team of really talented students from fourth year interior design at RMIT were commissioned to create this uh, furniture. Uh, they've named themselves ASAP. And the idea was that it had to be modular um, and flexible and durable. And we also were thinking about sustainability. So it's going to be, the set of furniture will be gifted to another institution afterwards, an educational institution or community institution. And then on this side of the room, we have the exhibition space for the work that students uh, are going to make throughout the exhibition. So ACA Education, on average in non-COVID times, hosts about 12,500 students a year. So we get lots of artworks produced, um, but we don't get to show them in the space. So this was a, a very privileged group that were the first to visit Who's Afraid of Public Space yesterday and created their own propositions for public artworks after discussing the display in here. And that's what you're seeing on the shelving at the moment. And that display is going to rotate over the exhibition. So it's going to come and go. Um, so that's kind of the, the bones and the groundwork. But thinking of the... Uh, more conceptual level. I've uh, personally always been really interested in propositional artworks. I find something really in, um, rich about the sketch or the notation or the model that an artist makes when they're just developing what will eventually be a really major work. Um, there's something very rich about that. Um, and I expanded that uh, throughout the process of developing the exhibition to include artifacts from works that have already occurred. So there's kind of reaching forward and reaching backwards across time, really. And if you think about it temporarily, we've got so these 13 leading contemporary artists are kind of providing a foundation and a point for students to launch from. And then here is the kind of present and the activity where things happen, discussions and creation. And then there's, um, I guess, a window for people who view the exhibition to see uh, what um, tomorrow's public art might be and what, people, what young people want to see in their public spaces. And we've seen yesterday there's a degree of um, playfulness, uh, consideration of utility and creativity, um, but it just really great diversity, um, which is re a really inspiring way to begin. Um, what can I say next? So, uh, ACA Education, just to give you some um, uh, groundwork, is usually a homeless program. We operate in the foyer. And we are essentially always public, so we're quite used to working in front of other people. But this um, opportunity to be in the gallery has really put a spotlight on what we do and has kind of concentrated that activity. And I think um, it's going to be positive for the students and for the viewers, um, and I hope for the artists that are involved as well, and also the designers <coughs> of the furniture. Um, where else can I go? I've made some notes. I'm just going to quickly look at what I wrote that I want to say. Um, Oh yeah, so getting back to the topic of public art and why I'm interested in it, I think there is a degree of uh, kind of scrutiny and passion that artists who work in public space expose themselves to that doesn't necessarily occur in the gallery, which is somewhat of a comfortable um, design space to a degree. There's a lot of challenges in the gallery as well. Um, but the kind of passions that come up when people propose public artworks and put things into public space is basically unmatched elsewhere across practice. Um, there's issues of um, worthiness, appropriateness, uh, accessibility, um, obscurity, 
Some of you might have seen recently there was a sculpture that went up on Brunswick Street that lasted about a week before someone tried to decapitate it. So this is a really interesting recent case study of an extreme reaction. Um, and I think it's uh, public art tests the self-image of a society. So how we respond to the things that we see in our public spaces uh, tells us about um, our uh, empathy and also our um, willingness to, I guess, take on another's point of view or another's worldview even. Um, and thinking about Vault, for instance, outside, which has been um, an absolute lightning rod for opinion uh, on public art, it's been shifted all over the city. But really interesting, over, over time, has become so beloved and has also become a kind of meme. So Vault has been reproduced across architecture and cartoons and writing. And there's a work in the center of the exhibit that is um, by Eugenia Lim. And it looks very much like the maquette for Vault, but it's actually a bracelet that was worn by James Andrews as part of a performance that was part of Eugenia's broader uh, project, The Australian Ugliness, which itself was looking at uh, Australian architectural and public culture and the kind of insensitivity to um, environment and surrounds. Um, and I think it's just a nice case study because each of these objects works as a way of showing students different ways to approach working in public space, but beyond that, uh, material, practical um, encounter, um, there is also a much deeper dive that you can take into each work that takes you into entirely different conceptual aspects. So I'm kind of hoping that the diversity of works will suit the diversity of artists, I guess, is the main part. Um, I'm not sure what else I, I should say. I think it's... Uh, there's a lot going on in here. I'd love to talk about every work in the show. Don't have time. But I'm going to be around all day and I'll be happy to talk to anyone who would like to. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andrew. As you will have gathered from Andrew's brief introduction, the education team do extraordinary work. It's really transformative for uh, audiences and the students who participate. And we're really excited to see that unfold over the course of the exhibition and indeed to be welcoming people back into the galleries again. So that concludes the artist talks. There'll now be a, a sort of 25 minute um, break and hiatus. And then we'd love to welcome people back into um, Naji, Jambana, the gathering space, just for some official um, sort of words of welcome and launch um, at about 20 past three. So thanks so much for joining us. And thanks again, Andrew, and indeed all of us. And thanks, Bianca.